0: your story new paradigms for a new world. I'm Richard Dugan your host and uh it is always, I say this every time, I mean it. I swear I mean it. It's so nice to have you with us to join in this conversation at least from the listening end. If you want to join in the conversation with our guests, then you need to go to uh richarddugan.com and you need to click on the uh, link to our guests website and contact them and uh, then you will be able to carry on a conversation with them to find out more about what it is that they do. But right now, I want to tell you that Tell Me Your Story is here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., Wednesdays at 9 a.m., streaming live at those times at richarddugan.com. And we are uh, also podcasting on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Radio. And, well, you know, there are many more websites than I could uh, list here. It would take the rest of the show. We're also on YouTube where you can listen to and watch these interviews. And I hope whether it's the podcast or the video cast that you select notification. Although I don't know that you can do that without subscribing and it's okay. I'm not into the, I'm not in this for the numbers, even though I mention them on a regular basis, we're almost at 100,000 listens on the podcast end over uh, the analytics of SoundCloud. Again, that's since 2018, January one uh and i think it's great and i'm so happy that we're you know increasing that means more people are listening and that is the point i may only have 121 subscribers on uh, or followers maybe it is on youtube but again there are a lot more people who aren't subscribing who are watching the videos and again i am very grateful that they are doing that and if it's you i thank you with uh, that i also want to mention if you'd like to support <clears throat> the work that we are doing we would uh, be grateful for any financial support We have a PayPal account. It is there for your security as well as ours. And when you go there, they'll ask you for an email address. It happens to be richard at richarddugan.com to whom you will be sending that support. And thank you, thank you, thank you for those who have and for those who will. And then we ask that you spend time going within and listening to that still small voice, following the promptings, listening for the inspiration, the encouragement, and maybe even the insight. And uh, we hope that uh, you will take time to do that. With all of that being said, now we are going to turn to our very special guest, Art Geiser. Uh, Art's Art's unique background. Um, He's creator of Energetic, uh, actually, I think Energetic, that's right, NLP, NLP trainer. He's a medical researcher, healer, intuitive. Uh, He's a leader, a, a team specialist for major corporations, uh he's got four decades under his belt studying psychic development plus energetic and spiritual healing he has been blessed to receive two empowerments during uh i should uh, say directly from the dalai lama there's a man i would love to meet uh from tibet and including one to increase his ability to heal others art geyser thank you so much for being with us here on the program i uh I'm thrilled to have you here. I would shake your hand, and then I'm one step closer to the Dalai Lama.
1: <laughs> well, I'm thrilled to be here. I've, I've been listening. Uh, I'm, I'm a new fan of your podcast, and I, I really like your guests and your energy around the podcast. So I'm I'm thrilled to be here.
0: Well, I am thrilled as well. Uh, I'm glad to be here as well. And I I one of the things that I I talk about, and we use a slogan: giving you choices and knowledge of those choices. To help make your dreams come true. And of course, you and I, we're here right now. Interestingly enough, if you if you really looked at it, you and I are here because of all of the choices that we have made. Even those as a kid, can you believe that? Even those as a child have brought you and I together. I I just and when I think about that, it's like, wow. I mean, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but you know, who knows what choice I could have made way back when that. You and I would have never met. I wouldn't be doing these programs, et cetera, et cetera. I find the universe works in incredible, incredible ways. And you have found some incredible ways uh, with all of these accolades here. I'm going to start <clears throat> in the space where I normally get to the end of the program going, Oh, I wish we had talked about this. I want to talk about this aspect of intuition. And as I mentioned earlier, one of the things we talk to people about is going within during the decade of perfect vision and listening to that still small voice and sometimes just being quiet share with us your your in introduction to and your experiences of as you have grown and evolved in your humanness and in your spirituality
1: um it's my experiences around intuition Is yes
0: that- intuition and your intuitive abilities that you use in your work in your vocation if you will
1: well um you know, often people will ask me, "Oh, did you have all these intuitive abilities when you were young?" And and by the way, every you know this, but everybody has incredible intuitive abilities. Mm-hmm. We're, um, I used to actually be afraid to to develop my psychic abilities and my energy abilities because you know the old idea when we were young is that only a few special people have these abilities. <laughs> afraid I I wouldn't be one, and um, so I, I wouldn't even try it and. But in spite of that, things would just happen. Um, you know, we've all had experiences where you just knew things. There was no way you could know them. And when it was absolutely real to me, I my first year in college, um, and I was a person. I I don't think I was ever depressed as a kid. And my first year of college, I, uh, different things happened that really challenged my identity and who I thought I was. And I was going to the University of California, Santa Cruz, which is a Beautiful, beautiful school in the hills above the Monterey Bay in California. But at the time, I didn't have a car. There weren't any buses. Uh, we had like 60 inches of rain up in the hills. And I'm living in a dorm, and people are getting really depressed. And um, and even if I woke up in a good mood, I, I was around people that were depressed. And I would go to the study rooms in the library, and I'd be studying. And all of a sudden, you, you know how like when a doctor hits your knee and your leg just moves?
0: Oh, yeah. That little rubber mallet.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, when you're in college, either you're studying or you're checking people out. (laughs) And um, okay, Yeah. So I'm I'm reading and all of a sudden my head would go and I my head would spin around and I would always be staring right into somebody's eyes and they wouldn't have time to move, you know, to change their gaze. And so they would jump. I would jump. And it would happen like over and over again. In fact, I, I stopped going for a while uh, because it was freaking other people out and freaking me out. And it, So it was absolutely clear to me then that everything I, I believed was true, that we are all interconnected and we all can pick these things up because this would happen with people behind me. So it wasn't like there was peripheral vision involved. Um, and then I, I, I didn't do much with psychic development until I started studying NLP the neuro-linguistic programming. And people in the program, this was in Marin County, which is just north of San Francisco. And in Marin County, if you throw a rock, you hit a, a psychic, a therapist, a coach, you know, a, a body worker, a yogi. And so people in the program started teaching me about energy work and introducing me to teachers. And the time that I realized who I was, one of these special people, as I I was introduced to this teacher and i went to his workshop and at the end of the workshop we had to pair up and we each wrote a question on a piece of paper folded it up and the other person had to hold it and answer the person's question and so we're all like nervous and freaked out uh so i I did it and when i you know i just had to say what was coming into my mind and when i was done my partner who is a man I, i only knew him from the workshop i didn't know him very well he he said I actually wrote two questions and you answered them in order. Now he's really nervous. He turns around, not only answers my question, but described what was going on in my life so well that I started using his description. (laughs) I would talk to people because it was better than my own. So here I, I am one of these special people. But then as I studied more and as I began to teach, I realized that everybody's one of these special people, that we all have these phenomenal intuitive abilities to to know things that there's no possible way to know. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if you your question, but.
0: <laughs> well, well it, it it certainly is a good beginning for us here on the program, because um, again, we're, we're, you know, I don't have all the answers and I know you would agree that you don't have all the answers either, but <clears throat> what we do have is uh, an opportunity here to learn from one another. And that's kind of what this program is all about is, um, uh, Is sharing our insights and and perspectives. Intuition is a big one that I have been working on and with, so to speak. Uh, I've had some very interesting experiences myself where I was, now I was bicycling until I was 38 years of age, only because I didn't see well enough. I was legally blind. Mm. And so I was bicycling all over Phoenix. Now this is before Phoenix exploded And then I left, but be that as it may, I was traveling from home to work and it was about a six or seven mile bike ride uh, each way, but it was way out West where there were at that time farm farmland and they were, uh, farms, uh, fields, I should say that were about a mile square. So every time you crossed an intersection, you, you'd gone a mile and, um, I traveled at four, five, six, whatever, how many miles it was, and I got to this, this, uh, I got to um, this one place where I was bicycling, and the, this impression says, "Turn right at the next street," and I'm thinking, "Why the hell would I do that? That takes me three miles out of my way." Mm. And I said, "I'm not going to do that." And I passed the intersection, and the promptic turn, go back and turn left at that last street. you got to be kidding me. And finally, it would not let up. So I finally made the choice. Now, bear in mind, this is something that I think people need to understand. And maybe we can talk a little bit about this as well. Just because you are getting these promptings does not mean you have to choose them. However, I will tell you from personal experience that when you don't, you know, life tends to take a whole different uh, slant. And I've had those as well. But this one was... I actually was a half a mile past that street. I turned around, and okay. I made the left, and then another left, and then another left, and then I made a right back onto the same street that I was already on. Only now I'm a mile further down that street, and went on to work. Now I don't know what the deal was—if I avoided something, or if if like you know that that proverbial story about you know uh, the butterfly effect kind of thing. I, I I or was it the universe, the divine? testing me saying, are you serious? Do you Mm -hmm. really mean what you say you're going to listen to and follow the promptings? Which by the way, I wrote down on a real wide white piece of construction paper in a personal growth program in print letters. I said, I will listen to, I stand corrected in cursive. I wrote, I will listen to, and then in big block letters and follow the promptings of my friend. That's how I refer do you think that doing so listening to that still small voice listening to the divine what, whatever you want to call it in that level of intuition is is I don't know if I want to say the best way to go the right way to go give me your give me your gauge on that how do you, how do you feel about that in terms of of living one's life and still hey you know saying I still have a choice and I'm choosing to listen and follow
1: well I love that you're starting with that because that's what I teach too is you don't have to follow your intuition. And what makes it a little bit tricky is starting to recognize what's your intuition versus what's just thoughts or somebody else's thoughts because we pick up thoughts from other people. And people can begin to recognize what's their authentic intuition. So for me usually my, my most authentic intuition It has, I I tend to hear it. Some people are more clairvoyant, more clairaudient. Um, You know, we can all do all of them, but I get a lot of my best information. I call it the executive summaries. Like a voice just goes, dum 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 know, And um, I've learned that that's always accurate. And so I I do follow that. Other times thoughts come in and, and I have to go, okay, is this a true intuition or is it just... thought from my unconscious is it somebody else's thought that i'm picking up through the telepathic channels in they'll they'll be if people start paying attention to their intuitions they'll tend to have qualities if it's a feeling it'll have certain qualities so for me it's usually very neutral it's not like um uh well i'll give you a fun i don't know if it's a funny example but one time I live both in the Hollywood Hills of California and in San Francisco. And I had parked my car in San Francisco. I was going to go see a friend. And all of a sudden, I just got this sense that I should like, there was something wasn't safe and there was nobody around. And I I actually ran to my friend's apartment, but I did it like I was just kind of jogging. So Mm -hmm. I was running from something and I visited my friend. And when I came back, there were policemen around my car and I walked up and one of them goes, is this your car? And I went, yes. And, and he goes, um, would you mind leaving it for a little, little while? Um, cause it's marking where the bullets were. And I went, uh, uh, uh. I go fine. Yeah. How much time do you need? And he goes, only about 10 minutes. I go, yeah, well, you know, whatever time you need. But, um, but when I'd gotten out of the car, it, it was a neighborhood I was familiar with. There was nobody around, but there was just this, sense of not being safe and um there have been numerous times when i've had those kind of warnings but they they don't come in like oh you know it, for me <laughs> it comes in really calm mm-hmm. when i remember when when i was first integrating intuition into my nlp work the neuro-linguistic programming um i was teaching this program and i, I didn't realize that people in this program were really open to intuition Because I was brought there to do an NLP program. And I knew this woman had a a block, uh, some kind of unconscious belief that was interfering with their health. But it was so suppressed, she couldn't get to it consciously. So I just started looking at her energy. And I was told, like, well, both of her parents have cancer. So she thinks she's going to get cancer, but she's not. You know, this voice just came in, like, just like, again, executive summary. So then I'm thinking, well, I'm not supposed to know this. So i thought, um, I not, what can I do? And I just went to her and I went, well, you know, the belief, there's a lot of beliefs that could be like, for instance, my father died when he was 45. And for a long time, I had a belief that I would die young. And then I, I changed that belief. And I don't believe that anymore. And, and this was years ago now, of course. Um, and she goes, well, that's really funny because both of my parents have cancer, and I've always believed I get cancer. <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, this absolute validation that what I was getting was correct. So, but I'm saying for people, you, you can start testing your intuition, not testing it like um you're giving it a test, but when you get thoughts, like you're saying, if you get to turn right, turn right. And you may never know why, but other times you'll start noticing what's accurate and there'll be a way that it sees and or hears or feels to you when you're getting you really accurate intuitions.
0: Hmm. We are talking with art geyser and we're talking about the work that he does through his uh, website, which we're going to give you right now because you need to know where to find this information. It's not enough to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true if we don't give you the information <laughs> that, that helps to support that. And that website is blockbuster7.com. That's blockbuster7.com. And guess what, folks? You are listening to Tell Me Your Story. Well, I'm Richard Dugan, and uh, I'm Richard Dugan, and uh, you are listening to a program that is going to dive into a lot of different things that we hope that you will be a part of. We hope that you will participate in and uh, so forth. Uh, blockbuster7.com. Uh, Blockbuster. Now, um, we all know about the video store that used to uh, exist. Uh, what What's the Blockbuster 7 all about?
1: When people sign up for that and it's free, when they go to that page, they get four videos over four days. They take them through very, very powerful energetic NLP processes where they'll clear unconscious and energetic blocks to their success and happiness. They'll learn how to clear other people's energy out of their energy field. And even more importantly, they'll learn how to clear what in them is allowing that energy. So people all the time are going, oh, somebody else's energy is in my energy field or an energy vampire stole my energy. And and I understand why people see it that way. What what I was taught and what I believe is everybody's the sovereign of their energy field. Everybody is the sovereign of their energy field. So somebody's energy is stuck in your energy field. It has to hook into something of yours. And there's a lot to hook into. There's karma, there's spiritual contracts, there's conscious beliefs, unconscious programming, energetic programming. And so in Blockbuster, people learn how to start clearing what in them allows other people's energy to stay stuck in their energy field. And most people would be horrified to realize how much of other people's energy is in their energy field. I mean, most of the energy in people's energy fields isn't their energy. And what happens is you're getting their emotions, you're getting their thoughts, you're getting their do's, their don'ts, their rules. And the more you clear other people's energy the more you can embody more of your authentic essence. And by the way, all of this is really easy and the, the videos take you through it. And through the videos, people learn how to do it for themselves and they they have ongoing access to the videos so they can use them whenever they want. But one thing, I'm, uh, there's uh, this idea of when you present things to people, sometimes you need to present it in the way they think of it rather than the way that you do. Mm-hmm. So I call it blockbuster. That's not exactly the way I think about it. Um, I, I believe in the idea that all our blocks were there for some kind of purpose. So it's more about healing them than busting them. Uh, and and I'm certainly no expert in this, but in my understanding of Hinduism, they talk about the elephant headed God, who, uh, Ganesh, who's yes. the, remover, he's the remover of obstacles. So I... I don't personally think of it as an elephant head of God, but I think of it as a a consciousness and an energy. But what I found out later was that Ganesh is also supposed to be the one who puts the blocks there for your spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. So he both there and removes them. So in energetic NLP, we embrace the idea from Taoism that what's in the way is the way. What's in the way is the way. So rather than thinking, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm blocked. We're going, okay, the blocks are there because they serve some kind of purpose maybe in a past life maybe in childhood but now we're ready to clear them heal them and replace them with uh, information and wisdom and concepts from our spirit so then, go ahead the program takes people through how to do that and and I want to let people know it's easy and it's fun i don't i don't believe um there's a lot of spiritual systems that are about hard work Uh, and thinking hard and analyzing and and that's great energetic NLP isn't one of them we're about connecting into playfulness into the amazing miraculous abilities in everyone
0: Hmm. you know that is an interesting uh, perspective to take and and I, i actually i i will agree with you on it uh wholeheartedly because uh i think that one of the sayings or things that i've heard um, is that what makes us who we are is not what we go through but how we i'm going to use the word respond because i I always want to use the word how we react but react has to do with past the past stuff that that causes us to respond to a particular scenario in the present the same way we always have throughout our lives but what you are talking about is responding or acting, not reacting to these various events in our lives. That is how that is what makes us who we are is how we respond to these things or act, if you will, uh, it, with a new mindset and that I think that's kind of what uh, what little I know of uh, NLP, um is kind of what that is talking about and to that end we're going to talk more about that as we continue here with art geyser here on tell me your story i'm richard dugan your host and uh, it is truly a pleasure to have uh, our very special guest here on the program to to talk about uh, what it is that we are um, focusing on nlp tell me a little bit about what that is i know that the uh um, the the initials are neuro linguistic programming i get that part but what does it mean to the layman and what does it mean if in your case because you're talking about energetic nlp it's something a little you've you've added a little something to it a little spice to it uh give us give us that definition and then expand on that from your uh, from your experience
1: well, and thanks for saying that because energetic NLP is different than standard NLP. Standard NLP is one component of energetic NLP. But NLP, and I've been a trainer in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming since 1985. I studied wow. with all developers of, yeah, I know, I can't believe it myself. Um, <laughs> when I hear somebody, somebody's somebody been doing something for 30, 40 years, I go, wow, now it's like, when did that happen? But um, <laughs> um I started with all the developers of, of NLP, one of them became my primary mentor, a woman named Leslie Cameron Bandler. And uh NLP was developed in the 70s in California. It, interestingly, I I I mentioned being at the University of California, Santa Cruz. It, that's where it started, but it started a couple of years after I left, which I always thought was kind of interesting. Um But the people who started NLP were interested in how do some therapists get really rapid results? The standard idea in psychology back then was that therapy took five to 12 years. It was all about insight. If you knew how you, why you got the way you were, you would eventually heal it. And there's an old Woody Allen movie where he goes, I've only been in therapy for 12 years. And (laughs) and I'm not saying that they didn't help people, But it was a really long process, and often they weren't able to help people. But there were a few therapists who got really magical, rapid results with people. So the people who started NLP started studying them, videotaping them. And this was when, you know, a videotape wasn't like an iPhone. It was like a, it was this thing like half the size of a refrigerator. And that was the birth of NLP. And one of the insights in NLP was, and we do deal with the past in NLP, but they went, what's really more important is not how did you get the way that you are, but how do you keep creating it? So if you have low self-esteem, you have to keep recreating it all the time. Your mind has to recreate it. Mm -hmm. So no matter how you got there, how are you creating it? And so with NLP, sometimes you can get incredibly miraculous, rapid, deep changes. I mean, I've worked with people and changed phobias in one session and you know, things that weren't supposed to be possible and, and a lot of quite amazing things. But as I mentioned before, when I'm studying NLP, I also started studying energy work, psychic development, and, I realized, and spiritual principles. And I realized you could do magic with NLP. You could do magic with spiritual principles. You could do magic with transformative and healing energy work. And they all had different strengths and weaknesses. So, at first, I kind of kept them separate, and then I started weaving them together, And I realized it was like one plus one plus one equal a thousand. So that was the birth of energetic NLP. So energetic NLP has NLP, spiritual principles, healing and transformative energy work, intuition development and 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 everything's affecting one another. So one of the things I loved about NLP was it was when I had studied a little bit of psychology before that, The thing that I could never buy was everybody was telling you the truth. This is exactly how things are. Mm. The people NLP took more of the scientific model that scientists often don't follow, which is that these are just models, these are theories. So a lot of you learned like the atom has a nucleus with little electrons like planets circling it. And then you get further in physics and they go, well, that's not true at all. But that, that simple little model of the atom allowed people to make incredible advances in science until they went beyond it. So the NLP approach is like, like, these are models and you keep evolving them. So there's a lot of people doing wonderful spiritual and energetic work. But what's really different about energetic NLP is a couple of things. But one is that I make people take a pledge at the beginning that they're not going to believe anything I tell them. I mean I literally I ham it up, we do a pledge and they're giggling by the end <laughs> and I'll go it. I go, I don't believe what I'm telling you. this is what I think. you know, I'm not walking down with the tablets from Mount Sinai, you know <laughs> the way I perceive chakras and you know we we need to have models of things, but there's all kinds of different uh, beliefs around chakras. are there seven, are there fifteen, are there hundred and forty four? Uh, I believe there's a number of them above your head, a number of them in your head, lots of them in your body. There's some below your feet, in your energy field. And, you know, in Eastern traditions, typically they, they said they were in a channel by your spine and they were facing up and they had petals like a lotus flower. Mm-hmm. They do great work with that. And then a lot of Western people went, oh, no, no. They're like little vortexes that come out front and back, um, which is a completely different model. Well, when I look at somebody's chakras, they don't look like any either of those. They're like dynamic, multidimensional fields of energy, and that's a little hard to work with. So, in, in uh, energetic NLP, we we move between the different models and we play with them. We just don't think they're right. Yeah. And where I think a lot of people get stuck, in my personal opinion, is they 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 believe they're that what they're saying is some kind of absolute truth. And it's very innocent, but to me, it's spiritual arrogance. Mm. You know, don't care yeah. how old you are spiritually. It's always coming through you. And it's always, um, well, the last thing I'll say on that, that there's a, uh, I forget if it's from Hinduism or Buddhism, but there's a philosophy that in English, they, they translate as not that, not that. And what it means is there's certain things, we don't have words for what they are, but we can say what they aren't. So an energetic NLP. We, we go for more of what's called grokking. If you, if, and I'm sure you're familiar with that. And, and grokking is you get out and trying to intellectually understand it, and you become one with it. You own it. Mm-hmm. So you can work with the great mysteries without having to put them in an intellectual box. Exactly. So in, and like NLP, we really embrace putting your spirit and inner wisdom in charge and letting go of how you think it works.
0: Energetic NLP is the subject. Art Geyser is my guest, and you are listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. And uh, Art, you've you've brought up a word that uh, when I first heard it, and I (laughs) actually, I probably first read it, and then I heard it again, uh, was from a book that took me probably 15 years to finally read, because I bought the print version, which was about this thick, okay? This was one thick science fiction novel. And then it was made available on Audible, and just as a, a, a note, a footnote for you, I have been involved with Audibles long before they were ever Audibles. As a kid growing up, being legally blind, I was listening to recordings for the blind and talking books for the blind, and that's where I read, uh, for the first time, Autobiography of a Yogi, my metaphysical primer. But back to A Stranger in a Strange Land, which is the one that took me 15 years to read because the book was heavy. I had to use a magnifying glass in order to uh, read it. So I'm holding it with one hand. I've got the magnifying glass here and trying to turn the pages and all of that. And it was a mess. So I was so grateful. And then I'm hearing this word grokking. Now they did define it, but I kind of put it into a finer point. And maybe I, uh, because you basically said, you know, become one. And my definition of to grok, is to assimilate that information, if you will, that knowing into every subatomic particle of your being. And again, as you just said, not on an intellectual level, but aren't aren't we programmed and or designed to process everything (laughs) intellectually?
1: Uh, Absolutely. That's so important. Uh, One of my uh, mentors in NLP David Gordon used to say we're meaning making machines we're compelled to make meaning so what i did i made up a term beliefs du jour like mm-hmm. soup du jour and so i'll go well here's these are my beliefs du jour you know and and i, and I teach from that and i go you know you you always have to have a level of meaning uh, well m- well t- the best way i can explain this i used to go to a spiritual center in brazil and I would always stay in the same house that a friend of mine owned and she lived next door. So her cats knew me really well. And you know, the idea that we're here to learn and grow, you know? um, So I I would, I I used to meditate. I I meditate on things and I'd meditate and I'd ask, is that why I'm here to learn and grow? And I'd always hear the same answer, which was no, but that works for you. That's fine. And then like six minutes later, I'd meditate on it again and I go, am I here to learn and grow? And I'd always hear, no, but that works for you. That's fine. So this has been on for a few years. So here I am in Brazil at the house and uh, people talk about the bubble around the spiritual center. There was like this bubble of energy. So things were amazing. Things were happening all the time. And so the house I'm sitting at is in the bubble and I'm sitting there reading some book and one of the cats is sitting at my feet and for some reason, I thought of this again, so I, I stopped reading, and I went, you know, am I here to learn and grow? And again, I hear, no, but that works for you. And so I, I said back to the voice, well, then why am I here? And I felt my head, like I felt compelled to look at the cat, mm-hmm. and what I had is, you could as easily tell that cat while you're reading a book as we could tell you what you're doing here. So learning grow is fine. <laughs> So I, go ahead. Go ahead. For me, yeah, we need to have beliefs, but we don't need to hold on to them. You know, I, you know, I like say I listen to people all the time and like everything's love. And, then, and everything's like like this absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are great ideas, but play with them. Don't you don't have to make um make them an absolute truth to work with them.
0: You know, it's interesting that you use that term, absolute truth, because one of my guests and I were chatting, and matter of fact, his name is, uh, I I can't remember if he actually changed his name to this. I think he did. Lion Goodman is his name. Oh, wow. And we were talking about perspective. We were talking about a lot of the current modern day, current events types of things, terms like, uh, oh, I don't know, fake news and and uh alternative facts and those kinds of things well kind of what you said you you've actually kind of phrased this in a similar way he said that the only absolute truths that there are are those that you personally hold because that's your perspective all right and someone else is going to have another set of absolute truths and i'm going to bring that down to just perspective each one of us has our own perspective are we right as far as our observations or are we wrong well guess what it's neither right nor wrong it's just our observation that's how we see things um, my best friend of 56 years uh, 53 years I, I well i wish he was still around he passed away this past may he and I went through grade school, high school, and college together, traveled to Kansas together. Uh, I would meet him at the airport because he worked there at the airport uh, back in 2022. I was back there for my sister's memorial, and we sat and we chatted at one of the food court tables and so forth. It was really nice and uh, just had a wonderful time. And I always told him whenever I finished a conversation on the phone or or in person, i say, hey, I love you, man, and we would hug and, and go on our way. And I went to try to cry over his memory the day after I found out that he'd passed away. Mm. And every th- I, I, I'm sitting in the car going down the, uh, the mountain where I live, and I just want to cry. I want to cry over his, his passing. And every time I thought about him, I couldn't do anything but laugh. Because we had so much fun together. Certainly, I mean, he, he at one point in his life, he was homeless, and he called me for help. I didn't have any money, but what I offered him was, look, you already have a network there in Phoenix. Go to some of the people that you know and tell them, look, I I just need a place that I can uh, stay in until I get myself back on my feet. And he found one and he did get get himself back up on his feet. In any event, and I know there are others, like unfortunately, he and his brother had a, a rift between them. Because my best friend was gay. And I remember when my best friend came out to me when I we were what, 17, 18 years old? And I'm going, and when he tells me this, I'm saying, okay, so what do you want me to do with that? You're still my best friend. You know, that doesn't change a thing. You know, you, you find happiness where you find it, I'll find it where I want to find. It. If I want to look under a rock, don't pass, don't pass judgment. Okay. I'll find love under a rock. Okay. Uh, so anyway, um, perspective. People are going to cry over his passing. I talked with his partner. He was very sad, very, very broken up, but he was glad that I was talking to him. He said, oh yeah, he talked about you all the time, which was kind of nice. I'm going, well, I hope I wasn't the center of conversation all the time, but it was an extraordinary relationship. relationship. With that being said, how do we reach a place where let's say you and i see something from a different different perspectives two at least two different perspectives and yet we want to come to some form of consensus about what we're what we've observed does energetic nlp help in that process from getting out of getting us out of our intellect into our shall we say our soul and or our intuition
1: Yes, and and there's a lot in NLP itself about that. So a a huge part of NLP is what are the beliefs, the presuppositions that we operate out of, or perspective? And some of those are conscious, a lot of them are unconscious. And most of them we don't even think to challenge. We just, so uh, a, a lot of like bigotry is somebody operating out of presuppositions uh, perspectives that they don't even think to challenge you know they often some of the nicest people in the world on one level can be horrible bigots um uh, so th- the first thing in nlp is is to go deeper under each perspective so under each perspective there'll be like what's important about that you know what's that perspective designed to do and when you go deeper, you can usually get to a level where you can find agreement. You can also do this energetically. You mm-hmm. can go. You can go. Um, well, let me give a couple of examples. So, they used to have this thing called the national tests on TV, and one was the national relationship test. And they they pose a question, and they go, "Is it A, B, C, or D?" And you were supposed to guess. And one was something like. Uh, according to experts, when people are fighting in a relationship, how often is it that what they're fighting about isn't really what they, they're they fighting about, isn't really the problem? And I think the right answer was 25%. And everybody I knew was going, that seems low. <laughs> you know? So you know, if you're fighting about who's taking out the garbage, usually that's not the fundamental issue. So in NLP, we, we teach people to, to go deeper. So um well, let me give a tangible example with the uh, abortion issues. And I'm not taking a side right now, as I'm describing, mm-hmm. you know, one side, people are going, um, well, we're pro-life and the other side, we're going, we're pro-choice. At that level, it's complete conflict. And what isn't happening enough is for the pro-choice people to be going to the pro-life people like, I really appreciate that you're concerned about human life, right? We're disagreeing about when that starts. Mm-hmm. In the pro life people going, we honor that a woman should have control over her body, but we're 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 disagreeing about where it is. When you find the level which you can agree, where you can go, like, um, well, we both honor human life. We both want women to have choices in their life. Mm-hmm. When 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 you start building those foundations, then you can start working your way up. And, and trying to find uh, are there solutions that you both can do Can yeah yeah you know I can... the, Go ahead. out of the argument
0: yeah
1: you know also, you, can where you respect one another
0: yeah that's important to to maintain that level of respect look you're a human my brother and i weren't off at its opposite ends of the political spectrum for example so what he's still my brother i still love the guy and I'm happy that he has achieved the things that he has. He's two years younger than me. He is already retired from Disney, where he worked for I don't know how many decades. And he's now living half his life, half his years, or half a year in Vietnam. And because he's got a girlfriend over there, I guess. And then the other half here in the States. <clears throat> but to your, to your conversation about uh, your, your discussion about the subject of pro-choice versus pro-life. Uh, there are two things that that rather that, that strike me when when we talk about a woman's right to choose, it's her right to do with her body what she chooses, right? Well, I would throw this out not so much as an argument in either direction, but as something for people to consider. All right? I can appreciate your position about, you know, the fact that this is a human life. But to me, in order to determine when life begins, Shouldn't we figure out when life ends? What's the criterion for calling it? I'm calling it at, uh, let's see, 922 a.m. on this date. This person is dead. All Mm. right. So what's the criteria for dead? Mm. And if we can define what the criteria for dead is, I think we come closer to figuring out when life starts. Then there's the other, our, um, the other, I'll call it dichotomy, where we, as Americans, we have individual lo- rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, among others. Mm-hmm. First Amendment rights as an individual. Okay, I get you. But until we define when life begins, and we need to do that, then we need to recognize and respect that individual who just so happens to be a female, her right of individuality, because you got to choose whether or not you wore a mask during the pandemic for whatever the reasons you chose not to, you said the government's lying to us and others are saying, I just want to be safe. And I used to tell people who complained about the government taking away their first amendment rights. I'm going, are you kidding me? I'm exercising my first amendment rights, uh, incorporating the line from um, the documents that this country was founded on of preserving the general promoting the general welfare and preserving uh, let's see how's it go Um, preserving the liberty to ourselves and our posterity i'm wearing the mask because i want to be safe and i don't want to if i've got it give it to anybody else so nobody's taking any rights away from me now that's my perspective so those are the two Um, shall we say, um, elements to throw into the conversation. And again, they're not elements to force someone to take a side. It's to hopefully get them to say, well, maybe I need to rethink my position. I may end up at the same place. That's okay. I'm not passing judgment if you're still in the same place after considering these, but shouldn't you? you? What are your thoughts on bringing up those kinds of uh, counterbalances if you will or counterweights to to a discussion about whatever the subject is
1: well, well let me give a sort of a kind of a tactical answer first there's something in NLP they call a matching that really helps these discussions and matching is where you you start using the language the other person is using and people can look up matching in in, in NLP if they want um and when you're having an argument with somebody, if you start using some of their language and they start using some of yours, it usually turns into a discussion. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a level. Um, and I really like what you said about, you know, looking, well, when, what is death and a lot of spiritual traditions have uh, as part of their tradition, when the soul enters the fetus mm. and a lot of them, it is not for a while. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so that discussion of what's death and and, and and you know if death is when the spirit and the soul leave, then the other question is well when does it come you know when yeah. does it
0: end? when does it enter yeah,
1: but I think it was Niels Bohr the uh, one of the great quantum physicists who said, you know something's a deep truth because the opposite is also likely to be true, uh huh, you know? and like in the discussion about mass and one or, or you know the whole thing about individual liberties. Mm-hmm liberties are important but being in a community and taking care of other people is is also important so what's the balance and it comes back to what i was saying about how in nlp and energetic nlp we have ideas and beliefs but we we don't hold them as ultimate truths so people the way most people think it's well it's either liberty or it's community there's you know rather than going They're both important. How do we bring them together?
0: Yeah, both and.
1: We we live in this. Yeah, exactly. And we live in this polarization and and demonization. So uh, I'm saying this to somebody. All four of my grandparents were immigrants. I mean, they were legal, but they're all immigrants. Um, You know, and and I'll hear some people go, well, everybody who's concerned about immigration is a racist. And I go, some of them are racist. A lot of them like (laughs) the." culture the way it is, and they don't want the culture to change. That doesn't mean they're a racist necessarily. Um, So I mean, I don't agree with those people's views on on immigration. But I can talk to them and go, I understand that you like the culture the way it is, you don't want it to change. I I get that. And I, I have sympathy for you. I I don't agree with you on this issue. But I, I, and that's what I mean about going deeper, I can go, I understand people if you like something, you don't want it to change. That's human nature. And this constant demonization, because people are keeping things at this higher level. And going back to what you you were talking about before, we have to have beliefs and meaning. So -hmm. everybody, oh, if you want a wall, you're a racist. And if you don't want a wall, you're you're doing replacement. You know, um, those are, are, pardon my language, bullshit meanings put on top of these things. For you know, ninety nine percent of the time. So in, in NLP and energetic NLP, we encourage people to go. Well, what does their behavior, their statements mean to them? What do yours mean to you? And can you talk about that mm-hmm. and deeper? The more people do that, the more they can build back up. And even if they don't reach a total agreement, they they get out of it being a fight. it be, you know, it becomes a conversation and and creates the atmosphere where you can. uh, Well, let me just add one more thing. There's something you're probably familiar with called dialogue. And dialogue is different than conversation or debate. In, In dialogue, whoever's speaking gets to say whatever's on their mind. And everybody else is supposed to fully listen. And when it's your turn, you fully express and everybody else fully listens. And they've done this in corporate groups and in community groups. And when dialogue starts... Particularly for men, uh, for a lot of us, find it really messy at first. It's like, what the hell? You know, it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. (laughs) People really embrace it that everybody's fully expressing and everybody else is really, really fully listening and trying to really grok the other person. After a while, almost always people solve problems. You know, they end up coming, respecting one another and coming up with pretty good solutions. So that's the power of trying to grok the other person, getting out of the... So if I think about the people that I vehemently politically disagree with, if I demonize them, we have nowhere to go. If I look at it and go, what's driving them? What's really matters to them? You know, and letting them know what really matters to me. And you can do this through a very verbal level, but you can also do it energetically. You can learn that... So let somebody's energies... When, when people are talking, they're putting out not just one energy a whole group of them so let's say somebody's angry at me i can respond to the angry energy or i can go what's the energy underneath that and and start connecting with that energy and responding to that energy and then it changes everything
0: yeah the conversation that we are having right now is between yours truly richard dugan and we're talking with uh Art Geyser about uh, energetic NLP on, well, of course, tell me your story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, this is fascinating to me because uh, in addition to wanting to find that middle ground, if you will, or that uh, maybe not so much middle ground, but that stable ground in terms of relationship and not, and it can be at any level, whether it was me and my best friend, me and my mother, me and my wife, me and my coworkers, Me and somebody who's just, you know, I just happen to meet on the street and we get to having a conversation and uh, neither of us is packing. Okay, we're not packing heat and uh, we're going to keep the heat down. Okay, to hopefully less than a low simmer uh, where we can actually learn something from each other. Uh, I learned an awful lot uh, from my brother and I can appreciate where he's coming from um you know i certainly i don't know that i would go so far as to say this is the greatest country in the world somebody has to be second and third and fourth and we're going to fall back every so often what's wrong with giving somebody else the lead every once in a while um although we tend to do it unconsciously or subconsciously through some of the uh silly things that we do okay uh but um be that as it may, it's the same thing in life with individuals. There is, I've been doing this for 44 years. Okay. 44 years. I've been interviewing. I've been in broadcasting. I've been doing the stuff I've been doing. And there, I was taught very early on, there will always be, it says, if you're walking up a ladder, there will always be someone above you who's better than you. Mm. And there will always be someone who is not as good as you. Okay. And it, it, it's like we have got to come to terms with that aspect of humanity, that there's always going to be a country that's better than us and always going to be a country that's worse than us, or a state or a county or a city or a neighborhood. But that also denotes dualism. And I have come to a place, Art, I don't believe in dualism anymore. And you kind of alluded to the the reality that there is no dualism earlier in the program when you talked about the things that happen. And we talked about this in regards to choices, that it's it's just the way that it is. It's like when you look at the universe through a micro, a telescope and you see stuff moving around and crashing and exploding and doing this and that and the other thing. There's no judgment out there. The universe is just doing what the universe does. You go to the microcosmic world, you're looking through, say, an electron microscope at the cells and all of this kind of stuff moving around and doing their thing. Similar, quite honestly, from my observation, similar to what the macro universe is doing. No judgment there. Okay. The, the cancer cells and the irregular cells, they don't care. They're just doing what they do. But here on our level, oh, my God, the judgment is just unbelievable. Um, I've gotten to the point now where it doesn't matter what the situation is. It just is what it is. I'm, it's not a bad. You heard that old Chinese story about the farmer and his son. And the neighbor comes over one day and asks, hey, how's it going? And he says, well, you know, uh, my son is out there and he's trying to break this one horse and and he fell off and broke his leg. Oh, that's bad. The farmer says, well, that's uh, who's to say whether it's good or bad comes the guy comes back over the next day so how's it going so well uh, my son uh, he's uh, healing up really well but uh, they came by here to conscript people for the uh, current war and he of course couldn't go because of his broken leg well that's good well who's to say that's good or bad says the farmer next day same scenario only this time it was something uh, that happened Uh, the horse the horse got away they they lost their horse oh that's bad next day Oh yeah, my son went out and he found the horse and brought back a whole herd of horses. Well, that's good. And this story goes on. I mean, you could make this thing go on indefinitely. Who's to say whether what's happening in our lives is good or bad? It's just what happens. NLP, An energetic NLP, can can, can that help me to further cement that in my mind or help others to begin to understand the reality that it just is?
1: Yeah, well, yes, and the, and the way I would describe it is everything's interconnected. So nothing's, in my mind, random. And that, um, you know, we talked earlier about following intuition. And and you mentioned how, like, with all those terms, and stuff, you don't know what would have happened if you'd have done something differently. And when you follow your intuition, it's important not to, like, judge it minute by minute. Because sometimes when you follow your intuition, it looks like everything's going to hell, you know, mm-hmm. and something incredible happens. So it's being able to, like you said, just kind of um, accept that whatever is in that moment is, and then just keep working with it, and that then uh, real magic can happen. Um, but I, I do believe everything is interconnected. I. Years ago, I had this experience spontaneously, I wasn't trying to have it, where, you know, the idea that everything's unfolding perfectly, for three days, that was absolutely, I mean, I grokked it. Whatever happened, whether I wanted it or not, I just felt like somehow that was perfect. And I would just deal with it. And if I didn't like it, I I would deal with it, maybe try to change it. But I had total acceptance of everything that happened. And it was amazing. And then after three days, it started to fade away. And then years later, I was thinking about it, and I I meditated and I went, why did that go away? That was so amazing. And what I was shown, what I was told was that, what I heard in my mind was, that's where you're going, but you're not ready to be there yet. But we wanted you you to know where you're going. So to me, it's, you know, if we believe that we're all spiritually and psychically interconnected, then things aren't random. Well, I'll give you a funny example of that. Once years ago, I went with a, a bar that had a Sunday afternoon. It was a place where people come late Sunday afternoon and drink. Real fun place. And I'm talking to some friends, and this guy out of nowhere, we hadn't, I hadn't bumped into him, we hadn't, you know, interacted. He just comes up and starts insulting me, and you know, I'm kind of looking at him, and I realized some of what he's saying are a lot of it was true about him, not me, but some of it were things that, you know, that when I'm being self-critical, I might think, you know, those things that aren't true, but you think about yourself. So I didn't get mad, but I thought, well, this is kind of fascinating. And um, I get home and there's a message. And I called this good friend of mine, who's very psychic. And she goes, the weirdest thing happened. I, I was doing it. She's a realtor. She goes, I was doing an open house. And this guy comes in and just starts insulting me. And I realized a lot of what he's saying are things in my, you know, my down moments I would say about myself. And I went, what time was it? It it was almost exactly the same time. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when things like that happen, you go, what are the odds of that being a coincidence? And, and one of the things in energetic NLP, we set the intention to have more and more and more wonderful synchronicities. If I I can give you one more funny one. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I like, I, I believe people's abilities come out more when we're playful. So, if my groups get too serious, sometimes I, I'll sing children's songs. And one of my favorite is Old MacDonald, because I like doing the animal sounds. In the chorus of Old MacDonald is E I E I O. So, I'm walking in London at night with a friend of mine who um, I, I, she first was a student of mine, then we got to be really good friends. And we're walking at night in London, and this woman's pushing what they call a pram, you know, baby stroller. And the baby's completely quiet. When the baby gets even with us, the baby goes E-I-E-I-O, <laughs> and then doesn't say another word. And we're looking at him, going like, "Do we know you? Is this a past life, or you know?" Um, so, I mean, what are the odds? You know, I mean that. Is, you know, and and there's more significant ones I could give up, but I like I like that one because it's just so funny. So if a, a baby in a stroller is giving me a message. You know, how interconnected is the world? So that's the way I look at it.
0: Mm. You know, there's a television series, and I hope I have the correct one, with Kiefer Sutherland. And this really goes to what you're talking about, what we've been talking about. It was a television series with Kiefer Sutherland called, I believe it was called Touch. And what it did was it in the first maybe half hour, it laid out two or three, maybe four separate distinct storylines one of them had Kiefer Sutherland and this young boy curly headed boy who didn't talk but could communicate in other ways he could write and so forth and as the television show progressed that episode these three or four different stories one at a time began to intersect on each other and uh, apparently, I I I was just reading a little bit about it, and and I I'm not sure if it was only around for two seasons, but I loved that show because of the message that I hope people got, not mm-hmm. just that it was a drama and you had this little kid you wanted you were rooting for the little kid and all that kind of stuff, but because it showed how we are interconnected, right? And that's what you're talking about. That first of all, there is no randomness. Now that's not to say that you're not talking about um okay, there's no randomness, so that means that everything that happens to us is predestined. That isn't what you're saying, is it?
1: I'm not saying it's predestined i'm I'm saying that we're we're um conspiring with one another on a spiritual level said wow. that 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 hmm. working things out, so whether anything's random or not, you know who knows um but I think I think overall our lives are not random, and it's not an accident who we run into, who we don't run into, what people say. Um, uh, when I was teaching in London in May, I was teaching a program called Spiritual Alchemy, and I ordered, and I had spoken at the International NLP Conference, and I'm taking the Uber to my friends, and uh, and it was a long ride, like over an hour, and the first driver showed up, and I went, I think I put the address in wrong. And, and he checked and he goes, oh, you did. And he looked unhappy and I went, uh, is there a problem? And he goes, well, I took the ride because I thought we were in a different part of London. And I went, hey, my mistake, it's totally cool. You know, cancel it, I'll tip you anyways. I'll, I'll get another Uber driver. And he goes, you, you don't mind? I go, fine. So I get this other driver. We have this amazing conversation about spirituality. In fact, he was the one who said his mother told him that I, I, I raised you to be happy. But So here I'm teaching this program, Spiritual Alchemy, and right before he drops me off, he goes, oh, and my grandmother said I should study spiritual alchemy. Hmm. Now, what are the odds of that? You know, out of, (laughs) you know, I mean, and and, and that's normal in my life. It's like everything just matches up so often that, um, so that I believe that on the level of our spirits, we're, we're arranging things, so I don't think it's an accident you and I connected. You know that right. our, our spirits agreed to this, so I don't think it's predestined. And in our spirits are working with in the context of of you know the the greater spiritual influences. Um, so to me, everything's coordinated. Maybe that's a bit the word I would say. But are mm. things some random? Um, I don't know. Yeah.
0: Well, it's, to me, fascinating to think about. But how about this one? I'm going to throw this in there to really mess, mess around here. I went through a personal growth program many years ago. Well, I'm talking <laughs> 30 and 40 years ago. I went through LifeSpring, which was an outgrowth of Est back in 1981. Um, and I believe it was stated in that program that I went through that um, there were people grumbling and they would, when they were sort of um, being supported and facilitated, all right. uh, They wanted to know why, okay. Why this, why that, why the other? And so uh, the facilitator would ask this question of them. If you knew the reason why, how would that change your life right now? For example, why am I here? Okay, if I knew the reason why, how would that change my life? Well, interestingly enough, because I've been following the promptings and I followed my father's advice, which I think was also divinely given, Richard, find a job you love doing because you're going to be doing it for the long time. Don't get stuck like me. Mm. Well, I was fortunate that I was following, even if it wasn't consciously, that intuition. And boom, in 1979, August 29th, I was hired by Sun Sounds Radio Reading Service. And that was where I began my official career in this business. And I have felt ever since that I have been in the right place at the right time. Uh, And uh, whenever I get and thank goodness it hasn't happened many in many decades, but early on when I'd get a little too big from my britches, the universe had a way of uh, whittling me down. Okay. And in a beautiful way, quite honestly. Uh, so I find that it's just, it's just uh, one of those things where if you can give up the need to know why says the facilitator, You're going to, your life is going to be that much more peaceful, if you will, more, more, you're going to be more content, not necessarily happy versus sad, but you're going to be, you're going to be living at a at a level where it doesn't matter. You don't need to know why you just, you just do, you just do it. I had a financial decision I had to make and uh, I had this plan. And I'm getting this prompting to do something totally contrary to my plan. No, no, no. I, No, 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 no. And I finally acquiesced as I did in that earlier example. Two days later, had I not followed the promptings, things would have been a lot worse financially for me and my wife. Um, so it wasn't a question of, well, why are you asking me to do this? It's more, I'm either going to do it or am I not? Am I going to argue with you? No, 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 no. Okay, I'll do it. It's kind of the way it happens sometimes too, isn't it? Where we we get bombarded by a spiritual two by four. And finally, we kind of give in. Now, some would say, well, yeah, but was that really your choice or were you coerced? No, I could have still said no. Is that part of the problem we have right now is that people don't know how to say no, not so much to the intuition, not so much to the, the voice, but to other people who want us to do other things.
1: Well, that's, uh, it's it's funny, I, I just saw an article about that yesterday, I think, um, you know, and a lot of very successful people talk about one of the keys to success is being able to say no, it's also, but again, it's one of those, the opposite is also true. You need to be able to say yes, you need to be able sure. No. Mm hmm. I, I like what you were saying there, the, about what they taught in Live Spring about you don't have to know why, just you know, you, you just flow with it. The the thing I would add to that is at times it can be useful to meditate on it and go, is there a message for me? And, you know, because sometimes um uh like I've had people not attend workshops of mine sometimes because something would come up that would make it hard. Mm-hmm. And very often that's actually a sign that you should come. So before I first studied NLP, and NLP, this workshop transformed my life. And um, uh, I mean, in a way that I, I, I can't even imagine what my life would have been like if I hadn't gone to it. And there were other NLP workshops wouldn't have done what this one did. And, and I had no business being there. It was, <laughs> complete, it was a super advanced program and I didn't know anything. Um, um, the day before I I. Brained my ankle and probably actually fractured some bones. And I didn't have time to go to the doctor. I had to borrow crutches. There was no Uber or Lyft. I had to take buses and taxis, which is expensive and a big deal. And a lot of people would have gone, oh, I guess I shouldn't go. But to me, it was clear like this was just resistance coming up. You know, the, you know, part of the unconscious mind will try to block change and and was trying to block it because it was going to be an enormous change. So I think it is both important to be able to, we don't need to know why and just you know, flow with things. And it's also very useful at times to meditate and go is, I'll give you a funny example. So my full name is Arthur. And if people are listening to this who are from Europe, cause they don't do this in the U S if your name's Arthur, people call you art like William and will. Mm-hmm. And so art and Arthur are not common names. And this has happened to me twice. I'll be channel surfing and I'll get to a channel Arthur Art Arthur Art. I mean nine, 10 times. And it's kind of like, okay. So each <laughs> time I might meditate on it like you got my attention. <laughs> What's the message? <laughs> the the message was, we're just reminding you life is magical. We're just reminding you. That's all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I had a a friend back in uh, grade school, I think, and even into high school, and his name, he went by Ricky, Ricky Eckleberry, And many people will ask me, so uh, Richard... Uh, do you prefer Richard, Rich, Rick, Dick? I said, uh, no. Richard's just fine. Or you can call me Doctor D. Now that was something that was given to me. I have no, I have no papers to back that up. Uh, it is just a, a phrase, a, a term that that I was given because uh, when some of the work that I do, I'm, I would consider myself an audio physician. I'm an archivalist. As a matter of fact, if I could spin the camera around, I would show you a reel to reel that's just to my left um where I am transferring audio going back some 40 years my friend um that I'm transferring to the computer so that uh, I'm I'm going to post it up online and maybe even use some of the elements into uh, one of these programs called tell me your story um but uh it's just it, it's it's just amazing um I went through another program in the 90s called um Delta Vector and then they changed it to Omega Vector and the founder his name was uh, George Adair, not the famous philosopher. He was a printer. He had a print shop called Papago Printing in Phoenix, Arizona. And he ran these programs for free. You gave whatever you felt it was worth to you or what you could afford and so forth. And I went through uh, with uh, I, the first time I went, I went with my first wife who was totally blind and she wanted to go. I can't even remember how she found out about it, but she wanted to go. But she needed somebody to be her guide person. And of course, being her husband, I said, "Well, all right, I'll. I, you know, I'm not going to participate, but I'll go." Yeah, that doesn't work that way. Um, it's it's one of those other things too, where uh, they also said um, when people were complaining about on the first night about being there. I I don't want to be here. I, I wish I was doing this, that, or the other thing. And of course, the facilitator says, "For those of you who uh, are complaining about being here, I want to um, let you let you in on a little secret." If you did not want to be here, you would be, but guess where you are. And (laughs) so you're here and you either stay here and deal with it. Or certainly there's the door. Nobody left. Nobody left. And the complaining, of course, (laughs) it stopped, but I was there and I'm going, Oh, okay. I got, I feel like I got sucked in, but then again, how do I know that the universe or fellow humans didn't conspire with me on a spiritual or a subconscious or unconscious level? And boom, I went through four five and six of those programs, um, you know, and God, did I learn? A lot. I have most all of the study materials. I've got two or three notebooks filled three ring binder notebooks filled with material in there that one of these days i'm going to share with uh, folks on this program uh starting with the conversation that he george uh started with and that was the teachings um regarding the zero point and then it morphed from there into all kinds of things and it's just incredible and it sounds to me like when you first started art uh you started down one path that took you through all kinds of different modalities that i kind of listed at the front end of the program what in the world did you ever come to a point where you're going what the heck was i thinking i i this is this is too much i I need to back off on this stuff because it's keep it keeps coming
1: well, well for me I don't know, at a very young age i was interested in m- my father was one of the early computer guys mainframe computer guys and um so part of me, I wanted to be a scientist when I grew up. I mean, it didn't push me that way. I just loved science. But there's another part of me, even at a really young age, that I knew there were all these powers in the unconscious mind. I just knew it and and there was also psychic abilities. In fact, in elementary school, I'd be hypnotizing friends and cousins and Mom <laughs> um, talks about it. I tried to check out a book from hypnos- uh, on hypnosis from the library, and the librarian wouldn't let me check it out because I was a kid. So my mom checked it out for for me and my mom said the librarian gave me this you're a terrible mother look <laughs> <laughs> but um and then I, I went to college and I um I studied biology and by the time I was done, I realized that I I love science but being a scientist really wasn't my thing but I I was one of those people I had no idea what I wanted to do and and like you said earlier, you know at that time, People told you to have a career for life, like your dad told you, so choose well. So I thought, no, I don't know, you know, um, maybe I can get a research job while I figure this all out. And I had this belief that something was just going to appear one day. And through a miracle, I actually got this research job because um, I was barely qualified for it, but but they liked me. And um, I ended up managing a research lab for the university of California medical school in San Francisco for 11 years. And I, but I knew I didn't really belong there. I mean, I was proud of the work we did. I worked with great people. I mean, everything was fine. It was just, you know, that feeling like, but this isn't really my best use of me. And this isn't really where I'm supposed to be. Um, And finally I went to a lecture on intuition, which was, wasn't very good. And they were selling a bunch of books on intuition and I walked out during a break in this was in the ancient days when they had bulletin boards with pieces of paper called flyers on them, and um, for anybody younger. And so I read this flyer and it goes neurolinguistic programming. And I read the words, and it literally felt like a bolt of lightning, hit me right in the crown chakra, went right down my midline through my body. I mean, it literally felt like boom. You know, I'm kind of like stunned and I. The scientist in me was going, What was that? And the mystic in me was going, Well, it was a sign. What do you think it was? So I walk back in and I'm kind of stunned. And I look at the books on the table, and all the books are on in intuition, except one of them isn't on intuition. Hmm. And it's on NLP. And I thought, Okay, I cannot ignore this. So I, I bought the book, and everything in my life changed. Wow. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that was not a random event. <laughs>
0: No, I don't think it was. Art, uh, right. Art Geyser is my guest. We're talking energetic NLP, and you're listening to Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Art, I want to thank you so much, Art Geyser, for being with us here on the program. This is fascinating, and I know we could go on longer, and I would love to have you back on the program to talk more about the work that you're doing and how you're helping people. Maybe get into some of, I don't know, maybe some of the testimonials of how people have changed their lives through Energetic NLP. And uh, again, thank you for giving us so much time here on the program.
1: Well, I'm I'm thrilled to be on your program. I I think you're doing really important work, and I'd, I'd love to be back on. We could talk about that or I could take people through some processes
0: let's you know what let's plan that i'll i'll send some dates and so forth to you when i send you the podcasts and we can do just that but first i have to let you folks know thank you for listening to and watching tell me your story new paradigms for a new world we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true we are here on sundays at 7 a.m and 7 p.m monday mornings at 1 a.m and uh, wednesdays at 9 a.m streaming at those times at richarddugan.com podcasts are on soundcloud itunes TuneIn radio spotify stitcher player fm blueberry a whole bunch of other locations. And we're on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. I hope you will subscribe and maybe at least get notified so that when a new conversation is posted, boom, you've got it. We also ask that if you can support us financially, we would be so grateful. Our uh, podcast, our podcast, our PayPal account is there for your security as well as ours. Put in Richard at RichardDugan.com when they ask you for an email address to whom to send the contribution And please, during the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, spend some time in that quiet, peaceful, still calm place, listening to that still small voice. With all of that, I have three final questions. We'll need to go through them quickly, uh, but we will have you back. I promise you. Uh, First of those three questions is, who is Art Geyser?
1: It's a spirit in a body who's having fun, exploring what's possible.
0: What is your life's purpose?
1: that's something i think i grok more than understand but um uh on one level i think it's to make things better and help people and to but also to enjoy life so i think those are two of my purposes
0: and to that end and i hope you get the uh, movie reference i asked this all of my guests do you get the movie reference what was your best day
1: uh i was gonna say the day i met the love of my life That that's that wouldn't work that would work (laughs) okay
0: very good art we will have you back uh please if i don't touch base with you in the next few days please get a hold of me so we can set up another time and we'll go through some of the steps as well as talk about some of the folks that you have helped or some of the issues that people have been able to get through to move on to find their life's purpose to live out the life that they want to do the work the kind of vocation that I got to tell you, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky. So thank you again for being with us.
1: Oh, my pleasure. And, and again, I, I so appreciate the work you're doing in the world and, and keep it up.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story. New paradigms for a new world. And until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, Love to Lal, Jeanette, I'm still listening. Dad, continue to be happy. I'm listening for you, too. And uh, to my best friend, Smokey, a.k.a. Doug Jones,